right, the boogeyman was real. It's over. We can't hurt anyone ever again. No one told you. Told me what? Somebody in there? Michael Myers is alive. Stop! You had a knife in your stomach. You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight. I'm not just going to sit and watch another innocent person die. If you track Michael's victims, that's a straight line to Michael's childhood home. What do we do? We fight. Let's hunt him down. Michael Myers is flesh and blood. But a man couldn't have survived that fire. The more he kills, the more he transcends. Run! Go home now! He's the essence of evil. everybody and welcome to fresh cuts this is mike joining me as always it's mr venom what's up venom how are you greetings and salutations silver shamrock fans uh yeah i'm doing pretty good mike how you doing <laughs> pretty good pretty good watched watched a movie over the weekend uh actually before the weekend one of the rare times i braved the masses on an evening viewing so uh we might be talking about that movie in a bit <laughs> uh, also joining as always it's don and ellie what's up don how's it going what's going on haddonfield affiliates uh doing pretty good man all right and like we uh previously said we thought we might get a couple extra people on this show being that it's one of the bigger releases of the year so i'm going to introduce a couple guests now starting uh with uh the wild man willis wheeler what's up willis how's it going evil mustache evil mustache <laughs> evil mustache <laughs> evil <laughs> dies on skype we're not creative we're not creative <laughs> cool cool and then our next guest uh this should ring a bell it should bring back some memories he's been away for a while but uh glad to have him back and uh, i think this might be his first just uh recording overall and a while whether it's his own shows or a guest spot he's uh been around the block a few times welcome back to our block mr joey colombo what's up joey 13 more days till halloween 13 more 13 more <laughs> oh yeah boys welcome welcome thank you it's been a while since i've been on the horn with you boys yeah, it's been. Well, yeah. It, it, it took you two and a half years to get back to us after you left us halfway through the US review, <laughs> and you oh, said no, he right back. <laughs> no, he two was on the visual. He was on the visual. I, oh yeah, you're I right. made it for my uh, my Judaism, you know, part of my family. I had to come in for the visual. Remember? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, glad to have you, Joey. Um, good that Thank you're you. uh, throwing your hat back in the podcasting room maybe more on that later we'll, we'll find out but uh for now 
yeah, no surprise. We kind of said for sure what we were doing. No reason not to do this movie. And that would be Halloween Kills, the follow-up to Halloween 2018. IMDb synopsis, pretty good and generic. The saga of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode continues in the next thrilling chapter of the Halloween series. Okay, there you go. That was a better um, synopsis how, than the yeah. movie deserves. Yeah, how thrilling is it? We'll find out from our esteemed cast, starting with Venom. General thoughts on Halloween kills, buddy. All right. Since we have a couple of guests this week, I'll try to be as quick as possible. But obviously, we all know how that goes sometimes. So <laughs> let me try. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to say that overall, uh, there was a lot about this movie that I enjoyed. I look at this movie the way I look at a lot of kaiju movies. A lot of kaiju uh, movies, uh, people like to say that, you know, all, all the kaiju actions really great. Every scene with Godzilla or, or whoever he's fighting is always fun, but then that it's always like the human characters that kind of bring the movie down. Well, this movie, I feel exactly like that. Every scene with Michael in it, I love. I love the kills. I love the brutality of Michael in this movie. Um, I love his just, you know, no rhyme or reason to what he does. So every single scene with Michael in here, uh, I absolutely love. And there's one scene in this movie that may have become my favorite all time Halloween scene ever. I'll leave that for the spoiler section. But yeah, uh, I might die on that hill. There's a scene in this movie that I absolutely adore. It's it rivals the tracking shot at the beginning of, of Halloween 78. I don't care. I'll say it. Okay. Um, this movie is very flawed, unfortunately. There, there's a lot of great stuff to take out of this, a lot of great horror set pieces, but it is very flawed. Every scene that Michael isn't in feels pointless to me. This movie, um, I, I think the filmmakers did themselves a disservice by announcing that this was going to be a trilogy. Because the entire time you're watching this movie, there's no real stakes. You know, it's like, yeah, characters might die here and there, but we know we're getting another movie. So it takes away a lot of the suspense of the final act of this film. You kind of know where it's going. Um, the biggest issue with this film is going to be its script. I hate some of the dialogue in this movie. There are some cringe worthy line readings in this film that I, I literally sank into my chair when some of these lines were, uh, were uh, said in the theater. Um, so the dialogue is going to be the biggest problem. Um, I don't mind the fan service. I know that they did a lot of fan service here. I'm, I'm reading reviews now where a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing it. But ultimately, I'm okay with it. This is a small town in Illinois that had a tragedy 40 years ago. It makes sense that Tommy and Lonnie and Lindsay and Marion all come back and have like a little reunion every Halloween. Makes 100% sense to me. So all of that stuff I'm okay with. It's just the choices that these characters make upon their return to the Halloween franchise that I can't get behind. There are some ridiculous decisions in this movie. Um, some, you know, obviously if you've seen the trailer, you know there's going to be like a little bit of mob mentality in here that ends up just fizzling out and really ends up becoming nothing meaningless, if you will. And I kind of look at this movie as a whole like that. It's meaningless. Like, what is the story of this movie? Someone tell me, what is the story? What is the character arc? What is there is no story. Michael continues his rampage on Halloween night. That's it. 
that that's the perfect description for this film because that's all that fucking happens. We're not getting any great plot points. We're not getting any more back uh, background on Michael. Uh, I did like a lot of the extra 1978 scenes that they added to the movie. That stuff worked for me. It's always great to see Nick Castle, uh, you know, uh, being the shape again. So uh, since he's a Michael Myers in those 78 scenes, I'm very okay with those. Uh, I also like the little bit of extra backstory for Brackett and um, uh, the other police officer, Hawkins, I believe. Yeah, um, all that stuff works for me. It's just this movie ends in such an unsatisfying way that it actually takes away a lot of my desire to even want to see Halloween ends. Obviously, we all know I'm going to see it. I'm going to be there opening weekend the way just like we all will. But my excitement for seeing the end of this trilogy has been kind of squashed because of just the meaningless hour and 45 minutes that I spent with this film. So I'm I, I'm going to cut it off here and just say everything with Michael in it, I totally love. Every scene without Michael in it, pointless, meaningless, and sometimes incredibly stupid. Next. Okay. Um, next up, we'll kick it over to Don. What are your general thoughts on Halloween Kills? Keeping it short, 1,025% agreement with Venom. Next. <laughs> All right. Um, is it going to be three for three? Willis, tell us what you thought about Halloween Kills. I absolutely adored this movie from beginning yes. to end. It gave me what I wanted. Michael fucking people up from beginning to end. That's all I can ask for. I don't give a fuck about the damn towns, people. They're just there for cannon father, like they've been in all the other Halloween movies, Friday the 13th movies, Nightmare Elm Street movies, Hellraiser, and all the other slashes that came before it. I'm not expecting no higher art out of no damn Halloween movie. All I want to see is Michael fuck people up. That's it. That's all. That's all I needed. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Let me jump in here, because Willis, I, I agree with you, yet I agree with Jerry on many things that he says. Like, I know this movie, like, is a shitty movie on one retrospect, but on another retrospect, that hour and 40 minutes flew by. I was sucked in. I wasn't sitting there saying, like, this is fucking stupid, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like afterwards, in in retrospect, it's like, all right, yeah, obviously these scenes are cheesy, some of them. But I think that's, you know, they were trying too hard when it came to the social commentary and all this stuff. I think if they focused more on the boogeyman aspect of Michael Myers, how Laurie starts talking about him on the end, like if they could have tried to, sh hmm, pun intended, shape that out a little more, I think working in that frame would have been better than trying to, like, you know, they. The first movie is about Laurie's trauma, right? The second movie is about everybody else's trauma. But now you're, you're taking on too much. Like, like Venom said, these characters, Tommy Doyle, Lonnie, Marion, you know, they, they are survivors in a small town. This is going to encompass their lives for the last 40 years. There's no doubt about it. So when people are saying, oh, why would you go do that? That doesn't seem real. No, it does seem real. It's just the decisions they make are the stupid classic horror movie tropes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather than what you would most likely do in that situation. You know, like why 
is the doctor and nurse couple going back and forth to the to the freaking car like that? Like, dude, you know this guy's out there. He needs to be a little more precautious. Classic stupid trope. But still fun at the same time. You know what I mean? So I think it all depends what you want to wet your pal with. If you go in there looking to find, you know, um, hereditary, obviously, no. If you want to go in there and see Halloween Kills, you're getting Halloween Kills. I mean, all of a sudden, it's like Michael became avant-garde with some of these skills, too. I mean, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Agreed. So, yeah. You know, overall, if you go in with high expectations, you know, like you're going to get what the original does and means to the landscape of filmography because we know that that was a game changer but this is not going to be a game changer you know what i mean it's full of fan service it's full of gory kills and it's full of cliches <laughs> what's funny though is that i went in expecting nothing like i i expected to not like this movie i i Famously, I'm not the biggest fan of middle chapters when uh, a movie is already planned to be a trilogy, you know, when the first one comes out. So, like, I agree with you on all the fun aspects of this, but how do you explain to someone like me who went in expecting a turd and I still walk away not really liking it that much? I mildly like it. I do. I agree with Joey. The pacing was fine for an hour and 45 minutes. No problem. But, man, the, we'll get into it more in the spoiler section. But, yeah, man, some of the decisions here are just ridiculous. Some of these some of these people who have survived the 40 years since the original attack, almost like they don't know who Michael Myers is. Like, they think that he's just still that six-year-old kid who killed his sister. And it's like, <laughs> basically, it's a lack of respect from this entire town other than Jamie Lee. You know, other than Lori, she's the only one who shows Michael any respect. And man, did anybody notice that Lori and Michael don't share one scene in this film? Yeah, this I, I kind of, that was This is a fucking Halloween actually, movie where the two most important characters don't meet. Fuck that. that. I, I, <laughs> I, I knew that going in. I was actually that I that was actually inadvertently spoiled on my end, so I knew that going in. But yeah, I I, I noticed it. It's yeah. it's no, don't you. I, I don't know if I, I guess I could say it in general thought because yeah, at this point know. it's not really spoiling anything more well, than what's already been said. But well, doesn't we do need my initial thoughts anyway. So yeah, doesn't the story this story kind of devalue their importance anyway? Which I think is another flaw in it because I feel like they go back and forth so much. Is he after them? Is he really not after them? Well, he's after. Me. No, he's not after you. Oh, we have this connection. No, you don't have this connection to where I'm like, they sound more confused as the characters and I am in the audience going, make, make up your fucking mind. Well, is he connected and after you or is he not? Because just make up your well, mind and pick a thing. narrative. Well, the thing with that is that doesn't that even devalue what happens in two, the 81 two, where it's revealed that they're related they canceled well, all like of that already. 81 doesn't exist in this timeline. So. But I'm saying is that doesn't all of this stuff devalue, you know, wipe that off because that was what made them work to begin with? <laughs> that was ish. The only reason yeah. why I even really like him is because Michael is Laurie's brother. Oh, see, I've I'm, always hated that angle. No, no, no. Okay. Even okay. 81. That's the only for, reason for why getting, that Yeah, go ahead. Forgetting Mike, about all of that, because from my understanding... This is only operating as if the very first Halloween happened. 
I, I get that, but I'm just saying, in the Halloween fandom, Michael and Lori being brother and sister is the only way they work together. Yeah, hmm. well, but I this is supposed to be canceling all that fandom anyway. It might, it might ignore the fact that they're revealed. I'm t- talking about in the general Halloween fandom of these as series of films, including all eight or nine chapters that we've had. Michael and Lori work because it's their brother and sister. They don't work if it's just her as some random girl that he stumbled across out in the middle of the street, and he's all of a sudden got this complex towards attack. Mm. Well, his, his, his no, I, I agree that his relentless, never-ending pursuit over the course of sequels, yes, it kind of would seem odd that it was just random. So if you follow the timeline of like the original Halloween 1, 2, and beyond, yes, you, there, it seems like you would need some type of connection beyond she, she was randomly selected. But I just meant like in context of, of going from the original Halloween to 2018 to this it seems like even this alternate timeline seems confused about how they want to approach that because going into 2018, they even did the thing where like, no, they're not brother and sister. That was just a joke or whatever. But then in this one, it's like almost like Lori, the character thinks so. But anyways, before I get into all that, cause I kind of skipped over my actual general thoughts. Um, I will say the kills were fun. Do I necessarily think they're, michael myers halloween style kills no but that doesn't mean they weren't fun to watch um i guess you know there's a there's a ton of stuff i'll get into in spoilers but without repeating a lot that's been said every single sequence i was shot in the 78 style kind of expanding on the night in 78 to me proves that these filmmakers understand the why the original Halloween is what it is. The problem is that all goes away when they do anything in the modern time. Halloween's never been about, well, I guess the original because the they, they made a point to say, you know, this is based on only the original happening. So to me, okay, well, what do we get out of the original? It's not particularly brutal or bloody. It's suspense. It's atmosphere, that kind of stuff. But the way they design their their films, 2018, this one, it, it doesn't seem like about it. seems like more like Jason Voorhees walking around just brutally murdering people. Now, I understand why that's entertaining to see on the screen, and I understand why a certain segment of horror fans don't care. They're, like, they don't see that as a detraction. And I wouldn't normally, in just your standard everyday slasher movie or, you know, they were doing another Friday the 13th. But to me, when you're sacrificing suspense and actual terror for just brutal killing in a Halloween film, well, to me, that's a problem, especially if you are specifically saying um, this is based off the first one. Well, then Michael should act like mm. that. Not to mention he's now fucking, what, 70 years old, according to his timeline. So Six there's that. Um but yeah, I, I guess my main problem is even though this is a middle film, it doesn't feel like it feels like there's very little of consequence uh, it, that happens in this movie. Our characters are in the same spot by the end of it that they were at the beginning. Uh, yes, there's death that we'll get into, but it really doesn't change. Anything. Like other than the fact that Michael didn't die, which is not a spoiler because we know there's a third one coming up. There's there's nothing really that happens in this movie that would force 
a Halloween. What is it? Halloween ends kill. What the hell is yeah, the last ends. one? Ends. This one, the way it's written, it almost feels like this was supposed to be the end, and then they decided, okay, well, it can't be the end because we're doing a third one. I even read that originally it was supposed to be two movies until the success, and then they're like, well, it needs to be a trilogy because the ending of this almost feels like that's how you would end it. I have a huge problem with how the the last ten minutes kind of played out Uh Um, uh, as far as some of the decision-making. Usually in movies, that kind of stuff gets a pass because a lot of those decisions are being made in the moment. However, the char- a handful of the characters in this movie that are making these dumb decisions, well, we just went through a scene of them acting like they've been thinking about it for years. You know, they said, what, this is the 40th anniversary. It seems like it's been on their mind and they've had some type of like planning and coordinating. Yet, as soon as they actually go to put stuff in action, they're making all the same dumb decisions like the teenagers would speaking of the teenagers what the hell like i guess i can't even say too much about it because it'll spoil i don't even know why they were part of all that um hunting down like it's just well, it was, ridiculous it's their parents you know lonnie's kid but if i'm lonnie i'm telling my son to get the fuck out of, like there's no way i'm taking my son with me on this now I guess Lori's granddaughter, she kind of snuck, but still, if I'm Lonnie, I'm like, no, I'm not taking the teenage. They look like they have never fucked. Well, I guess Lori's granddaughter handled the shotgun pretty well, but Lonnie's son, dude, looks like he's never freaking seen a gun in his life, walking around, shaking, like, uh-huh. okay. But anyways, now I'm getting too much into this Basically, yeah. Uh, fun kills Michael himself was fine, just a little un-Michaelish to me. But if, if there's anything, I'll give a pass on oh. that because at least it was, I guess, entertaining seeing him do his work. Mm-hmm. There were a couple scenes I thought um, when he was chasing the adult Lindsay through like the playground part. I thought that felt like classic Halloween, where he was just, you know, not a ton going on, just kind of that slow pursuit. Um, what else can I say? I, I just, man, they, the story in this one is just really screwed what up. Story? Yeah, exactly. The messaging they were going for, we'll get into that. I, I am never against messaging in the movie, but I think this one is a little all over the place in what they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we get the big, um, kind of like, I guess the big remorsefulness or the acknowledgement of what the, uh, how they screwed up. That's just pissed away because then uh, two scenes later, they're back. I like, I don't know what they're trying yeah. to say in that. Um, what, what's the point of the black sheriff dude in this franchise so far? He just kind of <laughs> shows up every once in a while to say, I'm the one in charge. Like what? I've heard him say that in charge of what, like you show up once in a while to say a line and, I don't know if anyone respects your authority. <laughs> Nobody doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what his character is supposed to be. Or, like, I know what his character's title is, but I don't know what he's supposed to be accomplishing in any of these movies so far. Um, so to be honest, I actually he's gonna, one. To be honest, think I that means he's going to come back next movie? Have a big well, he's role? alive, isn't he? Of course he's going to be back. Well, to be honest, I mean, following Mike thing, I forgot he was the sheriff from, from part one. I completely forgot that was him. Yeah, he's it's such a quick scene in the first one. You barely see him. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I guess the last thing I'll say in general thoughts is 
one of the, I mean, when I first saw Halloween, it kind of, I guess it kind of follows a franchise, although eh, you can make arguments that they play with it a little too much as it goes on. But what was kind of cool about Michael Myers in the first one is they really did a good job of towing that line of he he doesn't seem quite human, but we're not going to go as far as to say supernatural. We just, mm-hmm. it's just one of those kind of mysteries out there. And to me, that was always one of the scariest things. It's just the, you don't know, there's no explanation in this one. We get some monologue <laughs> where I, I don't understand like when, when uh, the monologue starts, okay, where are you pulling this information from? Did you borrow a book of, like, did you borrow the Necronomicon and look through it? And there was a chapter on Michael Myers, and now you have this new info about what happens when he like. I don't understand why that was even introduced. Maybe, maybe it's a do nothing, like it's do nothing exposition, and it won't actually play a part in the next movie because who knows? But I don't understand what the point of that was. Um, I can tell you the point of what that was. To explain why he got up at the end of the movie and killed everybody. That's the only well, spot they put that in the movie. Yeah, that's yeah that's, that, and I have another issue with that, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to spoilers. Oh, single so that, issue? That's why I yeah, throw, oh, multiple. I have at yeah, least three. Listen. Oh, thank God. I, I thought, thought if, they framed, if they framed the boogeyman concept better, you know what I mean? Like, make it. Make it show that it would have impacted everybody in the town more than just the few people, you know, with their trauma and then just like hearsay. You know what I mean? Like have that affect people because, I mean, the, the concept I think is interesting, not knowing where we stand. Is he human? Is he supernatural? Is he just like an animal, like pure primal instincts? You know what I mean? Where are we with this guy? And like Mike says, now we get a monologue that, okay, if you listen to what she says and you go back and watch the movies, okay, it makes sense. But you drop it in over overlaying that scene. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. No spoilers. And it's just like, dude, this Ultimately, could so I mean, much better. Ultimately, Lori in that little monologue there in the hospital took, what, like three minutes to say what Dr. Loomis perfectly said in one line back in 78. He is evil, plain and simple. That's it. We don't need a goddamn explanation. Uh, This is why I hate the Rob Zombie movies, because Rob Zombie tried to explain Michael Myers, and that's bullshit. That's not what we want. Uh, There's merit to those movies. I'm not going to say that I hate both of the Rob Zombie movies, there is some value to them. But what I'm saying is that he took, uh, you know, he basically flipped the nature versus nurture uh, theology in this movie. And did we really want that? We, we never really wanted that. And to this day, I still don't want it. I am fine with my current um, understanding of Michael Myers. I'm not saying that I understand him hundred percent. No one does. That's the point. But I'm happy with my current understanding. I don't need an explanation. I just want to see this fucker finally get killed. <laughs> yeah, and what I was actually, yeah, and what I was going to say now, just to cap it off, I guess, um, I, far be it for me to defend Rob Zombie because I'm not a fan of his Halloween movies mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, like you said, they're not with they're not without merit, but sure, at least if I'm going to defend Rob Zombie on something. 
it, it's at least going into them. He made it clear this is going to be different. I'm going to mm-hmm. do my own thing with it. Whether his own thing worked for the audience or some of the audience, that can be debated and discussed, and that's fine. The reason why I have such a problem with that monologue and this one and how they're kind of tipping the hat in a certain direction is, hey, guys, you you know, you said this is specifically based on existing lore, which is just the original, according to you guys. Well, we have all we need to know about Michael Myers. I don't need to hear that, oh, every time mm-hmm. he kills, he tra- what transcends. What the hell are you talking about? And how do you know this? Like, <laughs> you're just some random person he – Chose to like hunt that night. Like I don't understand the gathering. Where is he coming one. from? <laughs> yeah, it, it just seemed like very misplaced, and I don't understand why it was even felt that it was necessary. Mm-hmm. Unless it was supposed to be like metaphorically speaking. Like, I think that's what it that, is. I, I think that's what it is, and I think people are reading a little bit too much into it. But I can understand why maybe some people are upset about it, but. Then you know, be some people be like, "Why she ain't explain what's how he get back up?" You know, it's a fifty fifty. You know how how it is. Mm-hmm. You can't please people no matter what. So oh, no, no, definitely not. So, <laughs> it could also just be her trying to make sense out of everything in this more traumatic experiences. <laughs> you know, it could it could be that too. I mean, you know, that's the thing with the Halloween movies where it's gonna pick up next time. They can yeah, the do only, the frick they want. The only other thing I could think of is when she said transcends almost like the effect on the town itself. If she meant something like that at, instead of literally transcends into some supernatural like energy or power like like that's the other alternative I came up with is mm-hmm. she more it more means like his kind of like effect on this people putting the town in fear like I mean she, he transcends that way. She drops the line, you know, she's like, this is Michael's masterpiece. And this is the right quote. Now she's turning, now he's turning us, us into monsters. Yeah. Yeah. But when she, but see, that's the thing. It's like Michael's master. Well, I thought he was just a pure evil being that's walking around murdering people. So I get, so he's not anymore. Like there's an actual plan. Are we going to get the cult of thorn? No, uh, I, no, I see that paralleling the devil. Like you know, how people say the devil's masterpiece. I, I, I see it. Maybe that's why she would say that. That would be the only sense I can make of her, unless he's coming out using his knife as a fucking composer's. Uh, what is it called again? You know, the conductor stick. Wand. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, that's weird because ultimately, Satan's masterpiece. Satan doesn't usually handle uh doing things himself he has his demons he has his minions he sends them to do his work satan himself at least from what i know of the bible doesn't come up to earth other than the garden of eden um to actually act out evil on his own he has minions so for her to say michael's masterpiece it seems like it's a plan. It seems like it's something that Michael planned, and that doesn't make sense. I agree with Mike. Michael Myers is not a planner. He's an actor. He he sees something and he acts. That's it. He sees a knife, 
he has to use it. He sees a living person, he has to make him dead. It's that simple. So the, the, the whole concept of Michael actually having a plan and turning the town against each other, uh, nah, this ain't the Twilight Zone, dude. This is happening. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, she, maybe she's just talking out her ass and don't know what the hell she's talking about. Yeah, it could That's be a crazy-ass old woman. That's it could be the drug. Think about it like that. <laughs> I mean, she could... Uh, it that could, could be, well, the be the fact. Drugs. It just seemed like why is that even in in there? Yeah, she is heavily like, drugged at this point in the movie. <laughs> that is um, valid. Uh, but she's okay. kind of like talking, like she's like you know, kind of like tripping balls and like you know, Michael's masterpiece. She is a little over dramatic in that scene. I'm I'm hoping it's the drugs. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to say drugs, it's the pain. Re- I mean, because she shot herself with that syringe, what, like 20 minutes earlier or something? Some so, morphine, yeah. yeah, morphine, at, at, whatever it, it was. But yeah, I just, I, I don't get into it. I, I'm not sure. Mike, um, you brought up the point about the brutality of the kills in this movie. Now, you may not remember, but you brought up that exact same gripe with Halloween 2018. And I'm going to give you the exact same answer that I gave you three years ago when we reviewed the last one. Michael Myers is a killer. All he wants to do is kill. And he has been incarcerated for 40 years. Imagine going, imagine being a guy who gets sex every day for the first 20 years of your life. And then suddenly you have to go 40 years without. What are you going to do on your 60th birthday when, you, when you're finally allowed out in the world? You're going to indulge in the one thing that you want to have. Michael, when he went on his 78 rampage, had only been incarcerated for 15 years. Most of those years were as a child. He was only an adult for two of those years. He was 23 when he escaped uh, Smith's Grove. So being locked up 40 years, uh, especially with Michael potentially thinking, shit, I'm never going to get the opportunity to do the one thing I love. But then suddenly, because of his shitty doctor in the last film, he does get that opportunity. He's just taking advantage and um, making up for 40 lost years is what I'm thinking. Um, I I agree that it doesn't on paper. It doesn't really feel like Michael Myers. But when you think about 40 years of pent up homicidal rage, the brutal kills in these last two films make 100 percent sense to me. That's just me. I mean, if there is pent, I, that's, I, yeah, I mean, I understand that if the, the only, I don't know, the problem, well, not the problem, but the only thing I would say back to that is like, because we don't, we know so little about his actual psyche. Like, I don't know if he's like your typical serial killer that's taking glee out of it, or if it's just because, you know, the way Loomis described it is always just kind of like a blank slate. It's not like he is exhibiting these homicidal tendencies mm-hmm. when he's locked up and so i mean it, i, well, I, I michael, try... don't forget, michael michael's a psychopath not a sociopath sociopaths get physical pleasure from doing the things they do psychopaths are emotionless they just do what they do because they think they have to do it so i i would say solidly michael is a psychopath not a sociopath well, it's hard to even say because we don't really know his motivation. I mean, that's the point. He doesn't speak, so he's not social. So I don't know. I mean, we can't assume that he's deriving. Like when I watch the Rob Zombie movies, that Michael Myers looks like he's enjoying what he does. You know, he looks like he's being brutal because he just loves brutalizing people. Uh, our our car, our Michael Myers, I still call him the Carpenter Miles, uh, Michael Myers, even though Carpenter doesn't really have a lot to do with this anymore. 
Carpenter Miles does what he does because people got in his way or because he saw them walk by their house. Like in 2018, I love the scene where he just walks by the woman's house that's giving away candy, realizes that she's in her house by herself. So he's like, oh, one more for me. But then the couple getting into the car, he leaves them alone. See, he he wants to kill. He wants to kill quickly and he wants to kill efficiently. Um, hence why we don't really see Michael walk into crowds, you know? It's not like Freddy, uh, excuse me, it's not like Jason Voorhees walking into the rave in Freddy versus Jason. I, I don't see Michael doing something like that. Uh, and obviously, when he was first confronted with the mob in this movie, you can see that little bit of hesitation. He knew the odds were against him. So there, there is some level of intelligence in there, but I don't necessarily, at least I personally, don't get the sense that he's quote unquote, enjoying the kills, enjoying himself the way a sociopath would, where they get some kind of either sexual or emotional thrill from the kill. You know what I mean? That, again, my opinion only. I could be very wrong. <laughs> yeah. Since we're talking about the mobs here and what Michael really is and stuff, right? I was like, let me look up the Bible and see if I could pa- parallel some kind of like mob scenes. And I didn't really get anything specific, but it, it made me think of how they can kill Michael Miles. So this is Ezekiel 1640. 1640, yeah. They will incite a crowd against you, and they will stone you and cut you to pieces with their swords. Bro, how are they going to kill Michael Myers? Remember when they cut his head off in, what, Resurrection or whatever it was? In H-O. H-O? And it wasn't him, it wasn't him, right? But well, like, it was until they made the sequel. Well, you know what I mean. Right. By by resurrection, yeah. it wasn't him. So blah blah blah. Right. <laughs> so like, how are they gonna? How are they gonna kill Michael Myers? Like, do you, what do you think? Like, there is no Honestly, in my opinion, there is no satisfying ending to all of this. Just like with the Matrix, there was no, there wasn't ever gonna be an ending that was gonna satisfy all the fans. Uh, it just. They built they up so much. I mean, this is a forty-two. This is a forty-two-year-old franchise now, with literally millions, if not billions, of fans around the world. There is no way that David Gordon Green and um, Danny McBride are going to be able to come up with something that's going to satisfy even the majority of us, let alone most of us. Yeah. I, I don't even think they're going to get half of us satisfied. I, was okay I know with the what the end is going to be. I can tell you what it's going to be now. Educate me, Bo- sir. Both both of them going to die at the end of the movie. Well, that's a given. That's not guessing oh, anything. Yeah, yeah. We, they both we all knew one. Die. I mean, I'm 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 only speaking for myself, but I knew that one character that was going to die in this movie was going to die before I even had my ass in the seat. I knew one particular character was going to die, and they did. So it's not a matter of just giving us who's going to die and who's going to live. It's giving us that final, that big finale, that confrontation. What are they going to do? I agree with you, Willis. More than likely, Michael and Lori are going to die in the next one. But I guarantee that we're going to we're going to sit here a year from now and we're going to be bitching about it because it's not going to be satisfying. That's all Mm -hmm. I'm saying. See, I was fine with the end of the second movie and H2O if those would have actually been the last I was very happy with H2O when I first saw it. Yeah, I was like, if that's the end, perfect. Leave it alone. <laughs> and then they yeah, announced the next one. Not that, not that H2O itself as a movie I was entirely no. happy with, but, but just the way the conclusion of it, to me, was fine. Like, 
And even Halloween 2, when he gets burned up in the hospital, because at least it was, like, definitive enough to say, okay, like, regardless if he's evil or human, well, he's ashes now. So it doesn't really matter at this point, right? Um, Earlier you mentioned about, earlier you mentioned, you know, you were talking about Laurie not being in the movie. And I was thinking, you know, like, think about Halloween 2. Most of it is Michael chasing Lori through the hospital. So, like, in this one, what do we get? No scenes with Lori and Michael. Like, throughout the movie, you think he's going to come to that hospital to get her, and no, we're not. That's not happening, you know? Did they strategically do that on purpose to try to be, like, you know, the opposite of the original part two? I think they were trying to play, well, I guess we should just officially make us well i mean i don't think anyone's gonna listen to this episode that hasn't seen it not to be to be fair like who's who's gonna turn this on just to hear the first five minutes before we get in the swell i actually know a few people that do so okay well just (laughs) well i mean no i'm I'm not saying on no episodes but i was thinking maybe this one specifically they might be looking to see like our more extensive thoughts but anyways I'll just spoiler tag it now. If you've been listening up to this point, hopefully we haven't said too much. But beyond this, we definitely will say too much if you haven't seen it. So there's your warning. Uh, go see the movie and then come back at whatever time in the show this is. Um, so now I forgot what I was going to answer Joey on. Uh, Halloween me... 2 to this parallel. Oh, I do, I do think they were kind of playing with that idea on purpose because – you know, the longtime fans would see, okay, we have the hospital setting and all through the movie, like Laurie is convinced, Oh, he's coming after me. He's coming after me. So you expect by like maybe the third act or at least like, you know, final 10, 15 minutes, there'll be some type of showdown at the hospital where that's our conclusion. Obviously in this one, as we get through it, it's pretty much them saying, no, there is no real connection between you two. It was just happenstance, and uh, he's just out there murdering anyone who's in his way, basically, like as Venom put it. And you don't happen to be out there, so he can give a shit about you. Now, for some reason, by the end of it, she still feels like you know she needs to be the one to kill him. I even read like what the original ending was that they filmed. It, it's it's not it's very similar, but there's a little change, but all bring that up later but yeah i definitely think they were kind of playing with the idea of making us think that there would be a hospital showdown even oh of course i mean so did rob zombie technically i mean it seems like everybody who does a second halloween movie teases us with the hospital and and i agree there probably is going to be a hospital confrontation in the third film it would make sense. It would be fan service, as we got a lot of in this film as well. So, you know, I I, I think I'm okay with that. But I, I I think that's a common technique, though, when you're doing sequels for the filmmakers to kind of set up some certain expectations to the, for the viewers, but then to subvert them completely. Well, sometimes they do anyway. I got breaking news. It wrote at the hospital because David Gordon Green already announced that the movie is next movie is going to be a four-year time jump. Yeah. Oh, right. It's present day. Yeah, that's true. I, I did read that already, too. Shit. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me angry because I'm like, okay. Does well, he... it's not like there won't be hospitals in four years in Haddonfield. Disappear for four years or are, are we going to skip ahead four years and then Jamie or Lori's going to be like, 
man, every these last four Halloweens, we've tried to get him, and he's gotten away each time. This time, <laughs> he probably going to disappear gonna... for like four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hibernate and heal up. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or what if what if the what if the next movie opens up and they're like, unfortunately, Michael has died of natural causes. Um, so I would imagine the there next will be no. Is... Yeah, I would imagine the next movie is still going to open up in 2018, but then the majority of the film will be you know present day 2022. I guess. I thought they said they were going to deal with pandemic stuff in it too. Yes, like they the are. Fact yeah, that, they up yeah. stuff too. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know, know how, how heavy they're. Either, Michael, I don't know how Michael, heavy they're. That's how he's going to die. Michael's going to get taken out by COVID. Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would almost be okay with that. <laughs> as uneventful as it would be. And then the movie and falls out and dies. <laughs> so that would be insanity. Could you imagine and that? Imagine the one character wearing a mask the entire time dies of COVID. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that Republicans! That shit. <laughs> oh, my God! All right, let's get away from politics before uh, I get my king. Oh boy! Oh boy! Don't uh, make me think I'm in right. no bed. Oh man! Uh, I guess I mean. So what what's up with our firefighters? Our firefighters attacking him one at a time. That was kind of silly. That was like very kung fu. I, I did love that scene though. I thought that scene was really, really well done. I especially love that shot when Michael stabs the guy in the midsection and lifts him up, and you see that solid stream of blood going straight down to the ground. That was fucking cool. With the backdrop of the fire behind him. Oh, awesome. I mean, there are some really great shots in this movie, legitimately. Um, it, it's just, it, it's a question of, is there enough good to outweigh the bad? Obviously for Willis, there's enough good to outweigh the bad. It seems like for the rest of us, it's a little questionable. Uh-huh. So. Well, when we get that shot in the basement, the trap basement or whatever, so it looks like there was a hiding spot for him. Well, the, arc, the armory. Like little garage. Yeah, they, they showed us the armory in the first movie, but I... I it, it didn't. I don't know if it struck any of us that hey, that's like a whole separate room because she lifted the shutter. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I I hadn't thought about that obviously until we see it in the movie uh, in this movie. But yeah, it makes sense. Uh, like I, I'm not gonna bitch and roll my eyes at it because ultimately Lori made a mistake. She gave him an out. He took advantage of it, and now we have another movie. So. Yeah, I guess the firefighters got there in time because it seemed like that place would have burned. By the time they got there, but hey, I mean that's not even that big of a deal, I don't think. Um, no, I do wish that scene was longer. I just feel like, I mean, he killed eleven people in like thirty seconds. I would have, I would have liked to have seen like maybe a front and a back, like maybe have like a half dozen firefighters in the front of the house, and he takes them out, and then he hears more firefighters on the other side of the house, and then he goes and takes those guys out. I just really, really liked that scene. It was just really striking the way it was done. I would have liked, like, it could have been twice as long, and I would have been happy with it. Yeah, that and the fight scene against the townspeople were, you know, they really done well. The choreogra- the choreography, the camera angles, yeah. the how sometimes it sped up and slowed down the the speed. It exactly. Was, it was beautifully done. Yeah, but, the second uh, half he, of the mob scene I loved when Michael actually got back up and started taking them out. I adored that. Just like yeah. you said, man, the beautiful score. The slow motion, beautiful, you know, non-CG blood spray, actual pla- uh, practical blood spray, yeah. which is always awesome to see. Um, yes. I, that scene was gorgeous. It really was nice. 
I mean, all those kills, like when he put the kid on the spike and then the mother went to see him, just like oh. the way he looked laying there on a table. Little moments like that just yeah. like hit you right Dude, in the gut. I felt you know? so bad for Oscar's mother. That that For a scene that's literally three seconds long, that actually hit me. I don't know why, but yeah. just I can't imagine the absolute shock and horror of finding because she didn't even know her boy was dead yet she was just going to the hospital to find out and then she walks by the morgue and sees her son on the slab with the toe tag on holy shit that's fucking heartbreaking I, that yeah, and the jaw his, the way his jaw looked oh my god yeah, it just was appalling <laughs> yeah did she start chanting evil dies tonight right after holy no. shit if I have to hear that again I swear and, I'm gonna pull my ears off even even the, that the last moment of that scene was so like the lead up to it sucked like the whole you know evil dies tonight but when oh. he gets caught in between the two doors and yeah. again it stops the pace slows down the score comes over he goes to the ledge and then he falls and you just see the gore everywhere yeah, it just hits you like oh shit like the innocence of him you know being a patient like you think he's just another wackadoo like Michael Myers on the bus escaping, you know, especially when you, I watched 2018 back to back and with the opening mm-hmm. scene when they're all going, ah, you know, wild, you yep. think they're just fucking loons. But then you realize, no, this is just another person with problems in life. And that's unfortunately oh, cause they were oh, you mean, you an mean, innocent you person. Mean, you mean the guy that no one would mistake for Michael Myers? Come on! Yeah, no one, no one did, thinks did that. No one thinks the penguin Michael, is Michael Myers. Yeah, thank you. Did, did everybody of forget course. that Michael Myers is like six six? He's a fucking giant, and yet they think this butterball is Michael. Are you fucking? And I understand that most, oh, if oh, not all, of those people right. have never seen Michael Myers. But you would think if they live in that town, that at some point they would have gotten a description or they would have looked it up themselves and seen, Oh shit, he's six foot six, 300 plus pounds. Uh, okay. You know, the information for later, but no, let, let's go after was flashed on the news. Wasn't it in the box? Yeah. Even put both Tavoli, uh, Tavoli was the name of the, uh, the, that inmate, uh, played by Ross Bacon, which by the way, I don't know if anybody knows, uh, that actor actually passed away uh, a couple of months ago. he, he he had a uh, long struggle with cancer and unfortunately was not able to see this finished movie. But yeah, rest in peace, Ross Bacon, who plays Tavoli. Um, but yeah, Mike, you, they, they put their, both their faces on television. And the first one is this big chubby guy with long hair. And then the next one, which they obviously conveniently um, took out of focus as soon as the second inmate is shown, you see him with short, very short hair, um, a long head, much longer than Tavoli's. It, it just, ah, it bothers me so. But I understand, too, the whole commentary there, the mob mentality. Once one person believes it's Michael, everybody's going to believe it's Michael. So I totally am fine with that. But, yeah, that that was a very sad scene as well to watch uh, Tavoli take his own life. Yeah, the town bloodlust for revenge blinded them. And yep. basically, he, he had to kill himself because if he didn't kill himself, they damn sure was going to do it for him. Yeah, it would have been a lot more painful if they did it. So, yeah, fuck yeah, fuck yeah. go to Holly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I understand the messaging behind it and the whole mob justice vigilanteism is bad. The problem is, because, like, Judy Greer is a big catalyst about, you know, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? There's a system for this. You, we can't. But then two scenes later, there she is 
helping the mob try to take out. So it just seems like the whatever message they're trying to convey with that scene, it gets kind of convoluted. Oh, it's like, what are they trying to say? Oh, but if you think you got the right guy, then it's okay. Like, and even after because they, he, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, because at the end of that mob justice scene, you got the black sheriff dude, which I should probably look up his name so I can stop calling him black sheriff, sheriff dude, Parker. but sheriff, sheriff Parker with a Parker. P. Parker. Um, Parker. Oh, Parker. Okay. They even show him like sitting on the, it's very quick, but they kind of show him sitting on the hospital steps, like dejected, like, damn, we didn't do enough to like quell this shit down. And we, we let it get out of hand. So it's almost like, okay, there's our learning moment. But then two scenes later, it's like, hey, here's the mob. And somehow they all made it to the the neighborhood, which I think that's inconsistent, too, because it's like you have angry mob. Then you have, okay, but we're going to break off from the angry mob and go try to handle this one on one ourselves. Stupid. But then the mob reconvenes, I guess, in the neighborhood ready to take it. So, that couldn't have been the whole I, mob. The mob at the hospital was way bigger than the one that beat up Michael. Way bigger. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the mob that beat up Michael was only about a dozen to 18 people, whereas there was easily 50 to 100 at the hospital. Yeah, the mob at the hospital is way bigger. I, well, yeah, yeah, the whole mob. Because then there was all the people outside, too, where I'm not yeah, sure exactly. where they came from. But I guess they were just the overflow that couldn't fit in the lobby, in the waiting yep. room. I mean, yeah. I get what they're trying to do, you know, like just to show how, I mean, look how quick misinformation spreads, right? I mean, it's parallel and all that, you know, it's, but like, this is not the movie for that. You know what I mean? Save that for some fucking high bougie art fucking fugazi shit that I'll watch one day. Not Halloween. Like, Think about well, it, and it feels you know? like they just spend a lot. Like that—that's part of the—that's part of the issue with this being a middle movie. It, it feels like it just contributes to the story and everything being stuck in neutral because we're spending so much time on this kind of side plot. Because that's not the first time he shows up. He's—he was the one in that car, right? When they right. thought it was yeah. Michael Myers. Yeah, that was so. He—he's getting like enough screen time here. That's like, wh- why is this kind of? So I, like I, I feel like they could they could have um, got the whole vigilante thing across without that character at all. It could have just been like, "Hey, look, well, we're gonna go take out Michael," and then ten of us get murdered because we're just idiots that don't know what the hell we're doing, but we're caught up in a frenzy of blind rage. You could have done okay, it just so, simply by that. Well, there's one thing, isn't he? He the guy that do you see outside the bar, the one that steals the couple's car? That's him, yes. right? It's yeah. The bully. yeah uh-huh. Okay, yeah, that was the one thing that, yeah. That, this whole mob thing just it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, not only because, you know, yeah, like we've been saying, the this guy is not Michael Myers in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but like what Joey is saying, is this really necessary in a Halloween film where we want Michael Myers killing people? Why is this side story even in here? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the only guess I have is to get that commentary in there. Like Joey said, the whole misinformation thing, it's a very poignant topic right now. So, you know, uh, I, I can see why they did it. I don't really have that much of a problem with it. Um, for me, it's just I, I, I'm back to the mob. This mob it really, really fucking bothers me. This is a mob of people that are from Haddonfield who know the legend of Michael Myers, yet they still stop hitting him. What the mm-hmm. fuck? And then... Uh, 
Like, these people know that Michael Myers has been shot dozens of times by now. He's been stabbed dozens of times by now. Uh, he, he lost an eye. One of his eyes is, like, scratched out. It's all glazed over. They know he's not fucking human. Michael Myers is not fucking human. He's a machine. He is an animal. The, when they stopped beating up on him, I wanted to stand up in the theater and just scream, what the fuck? Why would you stop smashing his fucking brains in? It doesn't human make nature. sense. Oh, fuck human nature. Fuck human nature. Fuck human nature. They fuck don't human they, nature. I don't give don't, a fuck. You just watch that they, guy kill multiple people in your fucking hometown. People that you love. People that you care about. And you're going to fucking tell me that human nature? Let me tell you something. If Michael Myers killed anybody that I even remotely care about, I would cut his fucking head off with a shovel he, and and stand there for two hours to make sure that fucker didn't get up. So, did, yeah, yeah, human nature my fucking ass. He did get yeah, shot I, I, like I, six or seven times in the chest point blank. I could see like some of the mob backing off, but the ones that were literally personally affected with like relatives yes. or kids or I don't think those fools are stopping it. Like, I'm like, why didn't you guys just remove his head? Like literally, because to me, that's that whole scene is um, a victim of being middle movie itis is yeah, they had to come up with though. a way for him not to be murdered when i was thinking about it after the movie ended i was kind of walking back to my car i was like you know we okay here's how i probably would have handled it and this isn't perfect either but i was just off the top of my head like immediately you you can do the um the mob beat down because we just got the scene in the hospital so but the way you kind of wrap up that arc is in the middle of this beatdown, the actual law enforcement shows up, and because they do shit by the book, then you could, I guess, justify them stopping the mob. I would, yeah. Michael shot, he stabbed. Here comes the ambulance. Load him into the ambulance because this is how like the actual law works. If they're following the rules, the ambulance takes him away. Roll credits. Then we have justification for why the beatdown stopped, and you have justification for going into the third movie, and you can still do the time jump because. If if he was in the back of a ambulance and of course he wakes up or gets up, kills the ambulance driver, then sure. he's off to who know the fuck where. So the, to me, there is a better more, way, and or, there's a better the way thing. to wrap that up. Well, here's or, the other thing: you've also even got the built-in alibi for the time jump. He's he's in a coma from the beatdown. He's in the hospital for four years. Oh, see, I I can accept that too. Yep. There, there's so, your yeah. There's your out right it. there. Every He's time a, he he kills in that house, he comes out and gets arrested, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 Joey. He transcends. <laughs> now you know, Mike. If you would have did that, he ending, goes into a chrysalis. <laughs> you know, if they would have did that ending, a lot of people would say, "Didn't they do that in one of the other movies already? Why That's did they do too. that again?" Uh-huh. Well, they did well, a lot of I they, mean, did, hey, they already there's are a lot of cases of did they already do that already in these ones? Yeah, yeah that's true that's too. What slashers are. Slashers hey, are why? Well, the majority of this film the majority of this film is already taken from the other sequels anyway. The hospital stuff is two, the three mask is from part 3, and the mob beatdown is from 4. Yep. So it's not like this is already not, supernatural not already 5 and 6. Films. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah I was, I was a little surprised in the '78 flashback that when he came out, uh, he just surrendered. I thought maybe 
he would attempt to do something, and the cops would like break out the oh, yeah. nightsticks or something and beat him down. They hit like, him once with a fucking nightstick, and he goes down. Michael fucking Myers. They hit him once in the head with a nightstick, and he goes down. Fuck. Okay, but no. Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Remember, he is, this is seventy eight. He's only twenty at the time. Twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, he's still twenty three. He's still not completely at full strength yet. Ooh, he's three I, years removed from sex. Remember, he had sex well, for 20 years of his 70, life. So did, <laughs> did he pass up full strength, and now he's like on the decline? <laughs> Elder yeah, he's like, what, 66 or 67 now? Something like that, I think. He's not quite 70. You said 70 earlier, Mike. Not quite 70, but getting there. Uh, okay, back to the mob. Uh, back to the mob scene. The mob is beating the shit out of Michael Myers. They've got him dead to rights. He's on the ground, flat on his stomach. Um, they could literally do anything they want to him. They, the mob stops fighting, tells Karen, okay, Karen, go back to the hospital, be with your family. We've got this. What does Karen do? She bends over. She picks up Michael Myers' knife. She's about to stab him in what should be a big triumphant stab. Where the fuck does she stab him? In the goddamn shoulder. Are you fucking kidding me? I thought she... Stabbed him in his back. Huh? No, shoulder. It's the shoulder. The first time I saw it, yeah, when I saw it in the theater, I thought it was the back of the neck, but when I rewatched it, no, it's in the shoulder. Yeah, it's dumb. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's. She doesn't keep the knife. She stabs him in the shoulder, leaves the fucking knife there, and then walks away to go back to where her daughter is. And it's like. And then at that moment, it's like, okay, when are you getting up? Just get up. I don't want to wait. Luckily, I didn't have to wait long. He got up almost immediately. So, but yeah, that was just the most derivative expected scene ever. I I was, I was so upset with that. How do you have one of the greatest serial killers in your state's history dead to rights and you fucking let him get up? I'm sorry. I, I can't, I, I just, it's so hard to buy into this shit. It really is. I, and and I've already said multiple times, I'm a very vindictive and petty person. So I can't wrap my head around how people don't finish the fucking job. You know, uh, Karen, literally, Michael Myers killed your fucking husband in front of your own fucking house. And you're going to fucking stab him in the shoulder? No, right. fuck that. I'm sorry, but yeah. Oh, the God. barrel would have been in his mouth, and his brains would have been everywhere. Oh my! I would have, I would have kept his eyes. I would have plucked out his eyes and kept them in my house. I, I would just, have wore a skin through three states. Oh God! I just, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I'm sorry, Karen, but you're an absolute fucking waste. And you know and, what? I fucking laughed when you died. And that's the reason why she died, because she didn't finish the job. Because she's an idiot, and 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 that's the other thing too. What? Are, why are the filmmakers giving giving us the final death to be Karen? Do they actually think we care about Karen? Do they it's think a, that she's like a great character that all the Halloween fans gravitate towards and cheer for? Really? No, <laughs> she, like I think, barely exists. I think they view her as a sacrificial lamb to begin with. Yeah, oh, she absolutely is, but is that really the final kill of the movie? I mean, I'd have rather oh, seen yeah. him take out Hawkins or Brackett or just somebody that matters Bracket. than Karen. Who gives a fuck about Karen? I mean, after 2018 came out, all the fans talked about how much they hated that character. Yet David Gordon Green takes that information and decides to make that the climactic death of the second film. 
Ah, uh, which is supposed man. to be her emotional arc. <laughs> oh, and I also I, really believe that hating she's dead. her, yes, in, in 2018, <laughs> hating her, yes. But you know, she tries to, I guess, you know, do a 180 when she ends up in to end of 2018. You know, they pull that whole like fake. You know, no, I understand she, that. It's like I'm supposed to get behind her because you know she she pulled the switcheroo in the first movie. I mean, you got to realize most of the time that we've spent with her has been absolutely insipid, like not enjoyable. I've not enjoyed one thing that, and I and I like Judy Greer. Don't get me wrong; I like her a lot. She she's one of my favorite characters on Archer. Um, she was in Good Boy a couple of years ago that I really liked a lot. She's done stuff I like, but in this movie, it, it's the char- it's the um, the character of Karen, and it, it's so funny that they name her that too. Even though she doesn't really come off as a Karen, oh, she, no, she does. No, she does when she's yelling at the. In the first movie, yes. I mean, when she's yelling at Lori at the, in the restaurant for downing that glass of wine, a little bit of a Karen like uh, attitude there, but. I'm sorry. I'm like I said. I'm just questioning how she's the final kill of this movie. Like I give a shit. Like I like literally. If she you know, actually was killed. Uh, that's what. Yeah, that's another thing too. Because I'm not 100 percent convinced she's dead. He only stabbed her a few times, and I know they showed her uh, on the ground with her eyes open and everything. But I don't know something about they, that. They do that with Hawkins hell. too. So if they want yeah, to bring exactly. it back. They I mean, will. Hell yeah, Hawkins took one to the neck in 2018, and he's still around. Right. So. Well, I think it's like, you know, supposed to make Allison a more prominent character in the next one. Oh, yeah. Now he killed both her parents uh, and is going to probably kill her grandmother. And yeah. she's going to be the one to kill Michael Myers. This is what I mean. Why is David Gordon Green forcing Allison on us? We've already it seems like most of the Halloween fans have been fairly vocal that we haven't been big fans of this mother daughter combo in this film. We're all about Laurie. I mean, I, I assume that they brought in the Allison character for the younger fans, the, you know, the newer Halloween fans, so that they have a character to kind of relate with, if you will. But they're so hollow to me, both of them, Allison and Karen, to Karen. me, just... Well, we can, he, I was... There's, yeah, there's no, there's no connection. There's no connection with the audience and either Ginger yes. or the granddaughter. Thank you. Yep. I was when, when, you, when you base the entire resurrection of the franchise about, oh, look, Laurie Strode's back then, of course, like, that's what people want to see, that showdown. No one cares about the granddaughter. We don't care about the characters, but that's going to just be the motivation to get Laurie even more vicious when it comes to the um, final showdown between her and hmm. Michael. So Did Laurie need more motivation? Well, you you just killed her only child, so yeah, that's more motivation. So yeah, I, I guess. Dude, what, what what's gonna happen if in well, Halloween ends they're gonna be like, oh wait, you actually are a brother and sister? Not, oh, no, don't do oh, that! God, don't, don't do that! that. <laughs> oh God, please! I will walk out. Of, I will fucking. I, I'm saying it right now. October 18th, 2021. If they even say the word sister in Halloween ends, I walk out of the theater that second. And I and I won't even do the fucking Fresh Cuts episode. I don't care. I'm saying it right now. It, David Gordon Green, I'm sitting here. Uh wait, hold on a sec. Okay. I'm on I'm on my fucking knees begging you, don't bring back the sister bullshit. I don't think they are. Oh, I don't think I, I they- just 
please, for God's sakes, don't. If if there is a God, a Satan, a Cthulhu, whatever, please mm-hmm. don't let this happen. They, are, just, they already you, talked about that in the uh, first movie, so I don't think it's going to happen. I hope so, yeah. And I don't think Karen's coming back. In, in order to make it relevant, like, bringing Hawkins back is one thing, yeah. but to bring Karen back, who is part of this lineage now of the family dynamic, to, for her to be removed is important for us to be invested. If they bring her back at the beginning of that fucking movie, I'm not even going to watch it. I'm just going to shut the motherfucker off. I could probably see them giving her like a death scene in the hospital. Like maybe they take her to the hospital and then she dies there in Lori's arms or something. Hopefully no more than five or ten minutes of the fir- of the next movie. Yeah. But, uh, you know, but if the movie opens in present day, then I, I, I would imagine we won't see Karen, uh, blah, blah, blah. We'll probably see uh, Brackett still. Uh, not Brackett. Excuse me. Hawkins. Hawkins. Brackett. God. Yeah. Can you guys believe fucking Brackett is still working? That guy's yeah, got to be I like eighty. Believe it. <laughs> he, he, what was he security at the hospital, right? Yeah, he was hospital security. It's like my guy. So did he take a demotion or did he take his pension from the police station and then say, "Fuck it, I'm going to work anyway." That's what yeah. I think. He's probably yeah. retired from the police union and was like, like "I'm bored." Um, yeah, and I just do this. Uh, kind of like the people that take up the Walmart greeter jobs. Exactly. It's not like he has a wife and daughter or anything anymore. They're all gone. It's just him. Um, so, yeah, I guess it makes sense that he would want to. And, of course, they had to, ha- they, they had to have him say his line, which was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that was a little ridiculous. Uh, a little bit, yeah. That was very 90s slasher. Like that was, was too much fan service. Yeah, that was much, where they kind of crossed the line a little bit. A little too much there, yeah. Like, maybe if he did it earlier in the movie before the chaos started somehow, you know what I mean? And he squeezed it in. But at that moment, at the fucking end of the movie. If he had done it to another kid, I would have accepted it. But he did it to Michael during the mob scene. No, 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 no. (laughs) Oh, man. Let's talk about how they brought Loomis back. And that That was awesome. That was not CGI. That was all makeup. No, it wasn't makeup. That was was good. Yep, it was uh, all makeup. No, it was an actor, but they you could see the scene the uh, the pictures and stuff. It's an actor, but they heavily makeup him, but not special effects or CGI. It was exactly. it was all makeup on the actor, yeah. But it's very little. I mean, if you look at Tom Jones, he looks like Sam he oh, looks yeah. like and then they, they used, did a the great job of how they shot it. Yeah. Oh, and I like the choice of using the voice actor who did Loomis in twenty eighteen too. Yeah. So it's like you've got one actor who looks like Loomis, one actor that sounds like Loomis. You put them together, and we have Loomis. And you know what? Even though it wasn't perfect, I thought it was fucking great. I loved it. It's Michael Ken again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh. that's all he does. Of course he killed again. <laughs> I, I wish we got a little bit more of Sartrain's, you know, oh, history. Oh, um, Sartain's. Okay. Sartrain, yeah, Sartrain. Yeah, yeah. Like his motive is fucking paper thin from 2018. Like that's true. I, I would have liked to have maybe maybe somebody like finds some of his studies, paperwork, yeah, audio tape. Right. Yeah, that would have because been. It, do you think they're maybe saving that for very three, zany? Do you think that's without, true? That, do you think they're saving they, that for they three? Could. 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 could maybe he because fucking kills. Like, well, I mean, you know, you figure that you know this is the night after you know he's he stalks Lori, so you figure nobody's really going to be there looking into the uh, into the accident because it just happened several hours earlier. So you figure now in the intervening years, maybe they've discovered it and looked into the incident more. Yeah, it'd be nice. You know, you figure this is all the time jump. 
it'd be nice if they did give some more background information on like why and what his motivation and maybe the prep, because mm-hmm. it does come off a little zany for that to be like, just throw it out there. Like, Oh, here's the doctor that took over. And Oh, by the way, he really wants to watch Michael kill. Like, yeah. really? <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> All you get is that he was a student of Loomis. That's it. Let's talk about the fact that nobody in this fucking town, not police or citizen, can fire a gun properly. Oh, God. No, that's Mayor, another, another social commentary about the cops. The, yeah. Well, like, well, the cops alone. I mean, the cops are, you know, cops in movies are stupid. I, you know, yeah, we have to. That's the classic horror movie Mary, trope, all right. Wasting all of her shots, shooting at literally nothing. It's not like she saw Michael and then he moved. No. She's literally shooting at nothing, at noises. And then when she finally has Michael right in front of her face and she says that great line, or at least a line that should have been great, this is for Dr. Loomis, no more bullets. Ah. And then no more than 30 fucking seconds later, here comes our black girl in her nurse's outfit holding what looks like a goddamn desert eagle. I mean, that, that gun is <laughs> fucking gigantic, way too big for her. And she's literally firing at Michael from like 50 feet away. It's like, honey, unless you've got some kind of skills, how do you figure you're going to hit somebody from that far away? You've probably only fired a gun a handful of times in your life, and now you've got a moving target. And he doesn't even move very fast, mind you, as we all yeah, know. And, and does she even know at that point that her boyfriend's dead in the back? Because nope. otherwise, would she be I- afraid of accidentally hitting him? <laughs> Good point. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I don't think she knew because she left. Like, she ran out of the car as soon as Michael went in to kill Marion. And then she comes back. I, I mean, I don't know if she had the gun when she left. I mean, she had the gun when they got in the car, so I have no idea why she left and came back. It actually doesn't make any sense now that I think about it. Yeah, you're right, Mike. That makes zero sense. <laughs> Yay, more issues. And then, the, and then, like I said, when people actually hit Michael with a bullet, they hit him in the chest or in the belly. Oh, you're going to kill the boogeyman by shooting him in the belly, you fucking moron. Yeah. You know, there's that one scene in 2018 where Lori's, like, shooting, and you see it. She just makes that one last shot, and it hits the mannequin right in the fucking head. Boom. That might be our, that might be setting up our finale for Halloween. Maybe that's a foreshadow right there. Exactly. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, uh, 40 years and no one in this town has learned how to fire a fucking gun. That's upsetting. <laughs> well, well the, other, the other interesting thing to me when you bring up the, the town and the 40 years and all that, mm-hmm. when uh, um, we get the Tommy Doyle speech in the club or in the bar or whatever it was, like in the middle of the Halloween talent show, I love how he just wants to bring the house down with his story of murder, but... When he's telling the sto- when he's telling the story, I can't tell. Like, okay, does the town not know about this, or do they know? Because the way they're reacting is like they're hearing this for the first time. And I'm like, but I thought that this has haunted this town to where it seems like people would be more knowledgeable about it. But everyone was reacting like, oh. And then when he's like, is Michael real? Is he not? It's like, what the fuck do you mean? Is he real or not? Like, you literally were a part of the night of the murders. I think it depends if you think about it. You know, it's like 40 years is a long time. So, it you know, it affected the town. Yes. How many people probably left that town because of that shit with their families? Like, all right, we're out, you know, and then, all right, 10, 20 years, new families move in. Then it just becomes like lore and then even forgotten because we're so caught up in fucking cell phones and all the other bullshit. 
So I could I could understand it, but like you said, the movie's tonally uneven. You know, and, where and that, in one okay. respect they are, in one they're not. Yeah. Yes, then. <laughs> and there was that scene also that it, this kind of makes me question the intelligence of the residents of Haddonfield. Um, when they're in the bar and they're watching the news report, they're they're talking to a local resident, uh, an older blonde woman. And she actually looks in the camera and says, I've lived in Haddonfield my entire life and it's always been a safe place. It, nothing like this has ever happened. And I'm like, wait a minute, bitch, were you not there in 78? I mean, she looks like she's over 40. She's got wrinkles. You know, she's got that kind of dyed blonde hair color that some older women have. So it's like, was that supposed to be like a joke, like unintentional comedy for us? Or was that her legitimately being stupid or potentially lying to the newsman? I don't know. Like, I don't understand the motivation for putting that in there is what I'm saying. It, it just it just adds to the stupidity of the citizens of Haddonfield. Maybe they, it didn't happen on her side of Haddonfield. Oh, so that's it happened really, on the bad part of town. It uh, town. Yeah. So maybe that's why. What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, sad is that's believable, too. <laughs> Ultimately, that's very believable. Oh, man. Yeah, but then how big of a town is this place it is if you have good and what is the population of Haddonfield? I'm going to look that up right now. Go ahead, Doug. It looks the po- like the a population big city. is a handful of people less now, I guess. <laughs> it, it looks <laughs> like it's kind of a big spot because the, that town map looked kind of wide when um, Laurie was showing it to his um, daughter. I mean, to his son and um, and which we call daughter in the car when he was tracking Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't find any information on the actual uh, population of the Haddonfield, Illinois, in the movie. But the real Haddonfield, Illinois, yes, it is a real town, has a population of 11,300, which is pretty small, but not so small that everybody knows each other. You know, 11,000 is still pretty big. So I guess I guess that does kind of explain maybe how some people don't know the story of Michael Myers. Obviously, kids not knowing it makes total sense. Parents aren't going to tell kids the stories of all the local serial killers from their town. That's pointless. But um, to see actual adults that are like in their late 20s, early 30s not know about this, I have to assume that either they're transplants or they're idiots. You you decide. Well, the A little bit of both. To, uh, <laughs> the town might want to like, you know, wash away of it. You know what I mean? Oh, valid. No, very much like Nightmare on Elm Street. Just don't talk about it and everybody will forget. But it's like, this isn't a dream demon we're talking about. This is an actual serial killer who's staying at Smith's Grove Sanitarium, only, what, less than 30 miles from town. I I think they they should know, you know, I mean, prepare yourself at least. Know that it's a thing that existed is all I'm saying. Yeah, and I can see how like younger generations might not know all the yeah, exactly. details, and they might have questions about it. But the way I, I and that's been one of my problems with this is like I feel like the movie when they kind of announced like that that they were going to be retcon sequels where they're only taking the first into account. Well, I'm like if you eliminate everything that happened after the original, then his reign of terror is much shorter, right? Oh, yeah. He murdered a few people one night, which is obviously still terrible. But is that something that the town's thinking about four years later outside of the 
the people that are directly like related right. to the girls that died. But the way the movie is is approaching the material, well, you sure as hell want to use like the lore and mystique that's built up over 40 years about it. But all that was only capable with all the freaking Halloween movies, as bad as some of them are. They still built up like, you know, generations of fans and stuff uh being fans and getting into the whole shape and mystique but to me it changes it because if if we're dealing with a a serial killer who one night randomly murdered three girls as terrible and heinous as that is that it it doesn't seem as something as legendary status of course, I guess you can make the argument that well, Haddonfield was a small, safe town before that happened, so it'll always be remembered. And yes, there is an element to that, but sure, sure. I don't know. It, it, it just seems like they're trying to have it both ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, did anybody else want to kill every single child in this movie? Be, no. be it the three Mulaney's from 78 or the three little douchebags who played the prank on the gay couple? Why, why do they make every not mention Big and Little John yet? Oh, my God. Oh, oh we're going to get to Big and Little John. I we spent a lot of time them. with them, and I'm not sure why. Because yeah, in the end, in the end, they were nothing but their their deaths and their characters were in other than the fact that they happened to live at Michael's yeah, original that's the whole home. Point. It's Michael's house. Yeah, right. But 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 they're it still could have that whole thing could have played out without the 20 minutes of them getting high and oh, eating some of that wheat yeah. honey. Somebody, belief, I think. Thank God. I, I had such extreme issues just waiting around for them. From the moment that they think they're being pranked to the moment that they finally die, it's, what, 10, 15 minutes? Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. there... That, I could see that if, should have been trimmed down. That should have been... Yeah, I, complete. I, I agree it could have been trimmed them, down. I, I well, do see, like but, those two actors, though. Uh, I don't know if you recognize them, but they're both... Uh, alumni from Mad TV, so I, I, I found it kind of funny that two heterosexual actors who were both on Mad TV are now playing a gay couple. You know what? Twenty twenty five years after Mad TV goes off the air, I I just found that yeah. entertaining. Plus, I was I, a Mad I TV. Didn't ha- I didn't have an issue. Like I actually thought the characters themselves like kind of cool, like fun. You know, yeah. I like and I they were silly. I thought I thought the reason why we were spending so, so much time with them is because one of them might end up surviving. Like the the second. What's the the one that didn't get killed first? Was that Big John or Little John? The uh, one that Big said John Michael's was little home. and Little John was big. Yeah. yeah. So okay, the nicknames so, were opposite. So the short one was maybe Big John. Maybe one of them would survive into the next movie, and that's why it seems like we're, they're given so much screen time. Because really, if, if when they meet their demise, I'm like, well, if that all this was leading to, couldn't it just happen like pretty much like without all the prank and all that? other stuff going it just seemed like weird that they got that much screen time for a, what ultimately amounted to not much because well, it was completely off screen to begin with does it make you think they were trying to force some more social commentary on you because they were showing plenty of plenty of outside shots of the house plenty of time with them right you've seen the way they like interacted with the kids scared them why why did they do all this just you know, to show that it was Michael's house. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're we're digging a little deep on minutes. this, and I don't I don't think it's that deep, honestly. <laughs> I think I think the movie it, is trying to push something deep. You know what I mean? I don't think so they are. Why? I, 
I think we're reading way too much into that particular scene. Oh, you mean scene. this specific scene know. at all? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I don't. I, I, like I said, we we there's gay characters in every other movie that we watch. It doesn't necessarily mean that every time that there's a a, a piece of media with a gay character in it that it's going to be some kind of social commentary. It's just like Dwayne Jones in Night of the Living Dead. We've all heard the story. It him getting that role had nothing to do with him being black. It was just the best audition that George saw that day, so he got the role. Uh, how do we know that's not the same story here? Like, how do we know these two characters weren't actually written as gay? But then, you know, after they hired the actors and saw their interactions together, and maybe they just decided, hey, fuck it, it might be fun if we make you guys gay. I don't know. Again, I'm speculating. Um, but but as far as the social commentary aspect. I mean, the only social commentary aspect you can take is Michael hates gay people. <laughs> Michael, Michael hates uh, everybody. I I, th- I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's that I don't think it's that at all. If anything, I think yep. it's just they're more comic relief and irony than you know social comic commentary, relief. right? Because Big John has the little knife, Little John has the big knife, right? The irony of this couple with their beautifully done outside, you know, it's like powder blue, right? They got the beautiful, you know, scarecrow and the decorations, you know, juxtaposed to Michael Myers and the way the house used to be, right? You know, irony. That's beautiful irony, right? Uh, I'm missing it completely. I I don't know if I'm the only one, but I I am completely missing the irony. (laughs) Because Michael didn't give a rat's ass about how he decorate they decorated the house. It's not like he went through the house destroying stuff that he didn't like. He went straight up to his sister's room and stood there looking out the window just like no, he did. No, it's, it's not about what Michael thinks. It's about what it is. Like, the fact that, you know, just like, in, remember in Resurrection, right? They took Michael not- Myers' house and made it into a fucking reality TV show. You know what I mean? Here, they're fucking making it into basically the opposite of Michael Myers, the opposite of evil, happiness, brightness. I mean, the word gay means happy, you know, like it's irony right there. Okay, that's what it is. (laughs) We'll agree to disagree, I guess, because I mean, obviously, like I said, you're an English professor. You you probably read subtext a lot more than I do in films and television. So. I'm not going to necessarily imagine just visualize Michael Myers house. Right. Remember how Michael Myers house was when he goes back to it in the shot in 78 that they recreated. Right. Because it was abandoned for 15 years. Right. Okay. Now, but that like is the embodiment of Michael Myers abandonment. That's a big part of Michael Myers. Right. So. Look at the visual of that house the baby blue house where there's no abandonment in that house. There's love. There's happiness. The total opposite of what Michael Myers and his house represents. I mean, I guess I, like I said, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, I don't see it. I'm just saying, I don't necessarily think that that's what the filmmakers were going. Oh, it's not about if they intended to do it. it. Like if people, if somebody writes a poem or creates art, whether the intent is there or not, you could still. Oh, so this is just your interpretation. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'm I'm thinking that you're saying that this is subtext that, you know, has been. I'm just fucking, I'm just picking apart the movie, bro. I'm just fucking around with it, you know? Yeah. You're picking apart her slasher though. (laughs) 
Well, that's the whole part. I mean, what the fuck are we going to, why would we talk about it if, if we wouldn't, you know what I mean, have these kind of, kinds of conversations, bro? Of like, course. we would just sit here and say, oh, that was a cool kill. Nah, bro. Well, thus far, I don't hear anyone agreeing with you. So <laughs> I, I don't know if everybody's just scared to say they agree or disagree. I am never scared to speak my mind. Like I said, I respect your opinion. I just don't see it. And, and again, that's just me. So. You, you don't have to see it, but I could paint you a picture. Kind of have to. Of course you, have to see you know, it. darkness and colors are totally fucking <laughs> darkness and color. Right there has been a whole history of contrast. So I mean, there's no there's no arguing that. So yeah, I mean, it's just so you're saying yeah, they try the to visuals. make something beautiful out of the ugliness of the house. <laughs> Basically, the the house's ugly history has now been beautified. I'm well, talking about image no, <laughs> and what they're symbolically representing there, you know. Right. I mean, I guess again, it, you know, the, I mean, talking about happiness and everything, but the very first, you know, the difference between the visuals that I'm explaining, you know, I am, like I color and dark, right? The like, visuals that you're explaining. Okay, all so, I'm saying is I don't agree. That's all. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm absolutely I mean, not. It's on the screen. How could you disagree with? darkness and colors you know what i'm saying because you keep you keep talking about happiness but ultimately were they really that happy the very first interaction they had was an argument when when uh little john told them to turn the music down and then they disagreed on what they wanted to do that evening i, I mean i i understand what you're going for i really 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 do i'm just saying it's not nearly as obvious to everyone else as you think it is to you and for whatever it's worth, that's fine. I, that's why I'm bringing it on to the podcast, Jerry. That's what the whole course. point of this is, bro. I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just giving you an introspective look at how I'm seeing things sometimes, bro. Right. It's not an argument. And you I don't have to agree. You I don't have to like it. But I'm just explaining <laughs> it. You know I what understand. I'm saying? And I'm not and I'm trying to make. You. I'm trying to explain it. That's all. <laughs> and you have. You have fully explained it. I have heard every word you said. You are 100% valid. I'm not going to try to say you're wrong. All I'm saying is I am rebutting your statement. You got to make your statement. Now I get to make mine. I don't see what you are seeing there. I mean, obviously the house is going to look better. Someone lives in it. So what's the commentary there? I mean, this is this is all I'm saying. Like I said, we're having a little disagreement. No big deal. But I'm not saying you're wrong. Uh, you know, I've already said that like six times. But the point is. I don't see it. And like I said, I haven't heard anybody else voice their opinion on this. So either they don't want to be a part of this conversation or they don't want to disagree with you on tape. <laughs> I don't know. Officially, I, I never even put one second of thought into what Joey was saying. Dude, you don't have to I put thought into it. You don't have to agree with it. Again, I'm just stating things that I'm seeing and you might not see it. The point is, is that's absolutely fine. But the point is, my mind never even went there for a second. Like, I'm never even thinking. Oh, of I'm not surprised about that one. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Remember your initial thoughts? They were real short and sweet. <laughs> I know. They were awesome. <laughs> Where I, I'm just no, saying, I mean, my initial thoughts to all of this is, my mind never even went there for a second. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, Joey, no one's disagreeing with you. We're just all saying that we didn't see it. We we just didn't see that. No, we're glad, I'm, I'm glad I'm, you brought I'm, it up. Listen, I am. I'm I, not saying that you you had I, to see I know, this. I'm, not, I'm just throwing Joey, it out I'm not there. Putting words in your mouth, dude. Listen to the words coming out of my mouth. 
<laughs> you are 100% valid in your opinion. You absolutely are. I respect that you brought that to the table. All I am saying is I didn't see it. That's it. It doesn't yeah, mean you're bro, right and I'm wrong. Of course, it doesn't of course. mean anybody's right or wrong here. It's just an opinion, brother. Absolutely. That's that's <laughs> what it all is, bro. That's that's what this is. We watch art. We talk about it. We pick it apart. We agree. We disagree. You know? Because we usually again, watch art. Today we watched Halloween. So <laughs> <laughs> Halloween stalls would be a better movie. I mean, that's why I named the chat that, because that's how I felt about this movie. This movie is a placeholder. Like there's no actual tension. There's no high stakes in this movie. Nothing. It's it's just a placeholder. It is a middle chapter to a larger story. And like I said, that's why I think they did a disservice by even announcing that it was going to be a third movie. You know, they they, they uh, just some conversation about Michael's house had more tension than this movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's fucking right. (laughs) I mean, I got said about this movie. It's the Empire Strikes Back of horror movies. Oh hey. shit, Willis is still here. No, Empire Strikes Back actually has co- consequential stuff. Yeah, Empire Strikes Back actually has a beginning, middle, and end. Actually, think about it, folks. Think about all the great trilogies that we've seen. Indiana Jones, George Romero's original zombie trilogy, Star Wars, whatever great trilogy you want to go with. And then think about the middle chapters. They are still complete stories. They still have a beginning, a middle, and an end. What is the beginning, what is the middle, and what is the end of this movie? There is none. The movie just picks up where the first one uh, left, and then this movie doesn't really end. It just stops. And I've brought this up before on Fresh Cuts that I fucking hate when movies do this. They don't really end. They just stop. Like, there was more coming. And like I said... This is why announcing that there was going to be a trilogy, I feel, is a mistake. Because all through the movie, there's no tension. There's no high stakes. Like I said earlier, yes, some characters are going to die. Okay, we expect that. And guess what? The characters that we expected to die died in this in this uh, installment. What I'm saying is that by them announcing that third chapter, I, I felt no suspense. I felt no um, nothing. Like e- even though we did lose a couple of main characters, I still even felt nothing about those because ultimately this is Michael. This is Lori. That's all we care about. And obviously this movie is just kind of leading us along the path to that final confrontation that we hope we'll get next year. So this, well, and like I, I think I, 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 I was going to say, I, I think that's the great conflict in, how you frame a story with this, um, with the narrative going back and forth on whether Lori even matters to begin with, because for everything we've learned about this new trilogy so far, Lori could, well, not, I guess it's not her daughter anymore. Judy Greer's. Well, if we assume that Judy Greer's dead, she'd be missing. But at the end of the first movie, Lori pretty much could have packed up her daughter and granddaughter got the hell out of Hattonfield and it wouldn't affect any damn thing going on in the rest of the trilogy because we've just been told that there really is no connection between them. Um, and it doesn't matter if Laurie has a showdown with Michael or not, which is okay. But then the problem is you basically sold the franchise on, Oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is back to play Laurie Strode. So it's like you, you have like a, uh, uh, 
point counterpoint going there. We're like, well, why is she back then? Because it really doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, obviously we know why because it's a big draw to have her back in a Halloween movie because that's the showdown people want. But well, that just you, further you spend fuel- two movies saying it doesn't matter. Well, that just further fuels my statement that they have to be brother and sister for the franchise to work. Well, because she, after her monologue towards the end, didn't she also say like, "I have to be the one to kill him"? Did she say that? Or well, did she I said, that? actually, I like the line that she used. She said, "I need the I need to be the one to kill it." She didn't say him. She said it. I love that that tiny little thing right there. She finally accepts that that fucker is not human. He is a monster. He's an animal. Whatever you want to call him. But he's not a person. He's not a he anymore. And what a what a great uh, little bit of social commentary for pronouns in 2021 as well. So I, I, I love that. And she said, I need to kill it. I was like, oh, he slash she slash it slash. There you go. <laughs> Supernatural ish. Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I feel like they spent like a movie and a half telling us. The relevance isn't there, and now they're trying to swing the pendulum back. Oh, wait, no, it is there, because why did we get that exposition by her? And then her saying, I have to be the one to kill it. Like, wait a minute, no, you, I thought you didn't have to be the one to kill it. But Especially, especially since they dropped the line that it's, they said it was the doctor that led um, Michael to Lori's house, which they did yeah. in part in the movie. It was That's a daughter that... what I was about to ask, like... Uh, Michael killed Sartan when they were well outside of Lori's compound. So it's not, I, I mean, unless Michael, unless there was a folder in there with Lori's home address, but again, why would Sartan know that? He didn't even, I mean, he was shocked when he met her. Remember in, in the last movie, he was like, oh, you're Lori Strode. So you can, I, you can I mean, Google, I, you can Google somebody's address on your phone now. That was 2018. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's assuming it is public information uh, you can't look up any address i mean there, there's still privacy laws that's called well, yeah, so you can't really sartain <laughs> yeah sartain's really one that orchestrated he wanted to get michael and Lori back in you know the same space because he wanted to see if it would trigger something in him but after michael's free and the doctor's dead and all that Michael pretty much is just kind of out there randomly just killing the people he comes across when he feels like it. He's I never got the feeling in 2018 that he was like looking around for Laurie Strode until they come to face to face. Then maybe him seeing her trigger something like maybe he remembers her at that point, but it didn't feel like he was like actively looking for her. And I feel like that narrative continued in this movie until the end when it feels like now they're trying to swing it back to where like she does play some big i i mean i understand her motivation okay i i guess here's where we will have to wait to see what they do because maybe she's just saying this because it's all service all she just wants to be the one to kill him because now um her daughter's been murdered her friends were murdered back in 78 so maybe she's just saying it as in like he he's caused me so much trauma i want to be the one to kill him that's different from like some actual connection that we're going to find out where she has to be the one. Right. So it, it feels like a delicate balance that they're trying to pull uh-huh. with this new trilogy about what exactly her importance is other than fan service of Laurie Strode's back. And that's what I'm, I've always been kind of confused so far through these two movies about, 
you know, other than the fan service aspect of her being back and getting everyone excited for it. Like, well, what is the importance of her character in terms of Michael's like death ultimately, you know, Uh keeping them apart in this movie. It's like, you know, it's like keeping the wrestlers apart until the next pay-per-view, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how they used to do it on wrestling but not in Vince McMahon's world every, anymore. They be having the same ring matches with people like every other week now. So that's why every, every, every pay-per-view main event they have a rematch on Raw. Oh, shit. Nice. <laughs> it's it just got so terrible now on, on WWE. I don't even watch the main shows. I just watch the pay-per-view. I watch AEW every week. At least they had different matches every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Michael Myers going to show up in AEW? Well, Chucky is going to be on um, the Halloween Havoc next week for um, NXT. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Because oh, he's on USA now, right? Uh-huh, yeah. They just announced <laughs> yeah, he, it. Chucky was in WCW for like a little bit way back in the 90s. I think to promote Bride of Chucky. Yep. I remember yeah. that. That was back when I still watched it. <laughs> they used to have horror guys in like Japan and fucking uh there's this other one it's like horror slam or something they have like guys coming out (laughs) i think that's i think it's time i think we're at that point i mean yeah (laughs) we're talking about wrestling all that's really left to talk about is easter eggs if anybody even cares i mean we've already (laughs) talked about a bunch but and a lot of them are obvious obviously you know seeing the the masks from halloween three uh, seeing Dr. Loomis again, uh, Nick Castle playing uh, the, the shape in the 1978 scenes was great. Um, uh, oh, this also has the highest. This this movie now has the record for the highest kill count of a Halloween movie. It passed out 20 from uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween was the record holder with 20 kills. Uh, this movie has as far as on screen kills, 28. So. This is now the most violent Michael Myers we've ever gotten, or the, at least the most prolific, if you will. Oh, for sure. Isn't, <laughs> yeah. isn't he almost about to um, beat Jason Voorhees in the I most, think, most kills? I think he did. I, I didn't actually look that up, but I, I, I don't think he needed more than 30 uh, to pass Jason, and he got 28 in this movie. So uh, I'll look it up later, but I'm pretty sure Michael is now the cinematic kill king. But hopefully with the Friday the 13th lawsuit settled, you know, who knows? Fingers crossed. We'll get that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get that second chapter of uh, survivalist Jason living underground. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, what else we got for uh, Easter eggs? Uh, what do I have written down here? Um, uh, oh, for Shamrock Master back. The picture of Bob yep. Odenkirk. Yes, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. I, I was just getting to that. Um, during, during the bar scene, when all the residents are, you know, kind of getting together and celebrating, uh, the evening, uh, during the news report, when they're talking about Michael Myers, uh, the only victim, uh, they show two of the victims pictures. They show PJ souls, of course, but then they show a picture of Bob, uh, the guy who was in the ghost sheet with the glasses who got, you know, nailed up to the wall. Apparently they did try to find an old file photo of that particular actor, but they were not able to find one. So literally they decided, Hey, uh, you ever see Bob Odenkirk when he was a kid, when he was like in college 
and they took up they 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 found one of his pictures and he looks uh, he doesn't quite look exactly like Bob from 78 but it's a pretty damn good likeness when you look at him side by side so yeah that picture on the news report is actually Bob Odenkirk better call Saul makes an appearance in Haddonfield <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, in the next one, are we actually going to get Ben Tramer, not just a mention? Oh, uh, that might be fun. That's right, since he's technically not dead in this timeline. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I, I remember someone asked the director. And you remember a couple weeks ago on the Joe Bob Halloween special, they had David Gordon Green. And one of the listener questions is like, are we going to find out what happened to Ben Tramer? And he's like, oh, you're just going to have to watch. And of course, and it's like all that ended up happening was he got mentioned. Right. <laughs> That was silly. Um, oh, man. Uh, Lori yelling, let it burn at the beginning of the movie, which I did enjoy. I thought that was that was a good line delivery. You know, you believed Lori's kind of, you know, psychosis and, and anxiety at that point. Um, that's actually a reference to a deleted scene from Halloween 2. Apparently, originally in the original Halloween 2, Loomis was not going to burn with Michael in the hospital, in the operating room. They actually have a, a deleted scene where he's outside of the hospital. And as the fire trucks are coming to put out the fire, he yells the exact same thing. Let it burn. Don't stop it. So little homage to a deleted scene right there. Um there are, if you're looking very closely, there are mentions of vaccines in the hospital. One sign in, in particular, uh, when Lori's walking out of the hospital, says vaccinate before it's too late. So obviously we've got some uh, early references to COVID. Obviously this movie taking place in 2018 is, you know, before anybody knew anything about it. But obviously with the next movie taking place in modern day and all, you know, a few of us already mentioning that that is going to be a, a factor in the movie. And that they're going to be talking about politics, you know, from 2019 and beyond. So that was just kind of cool to see those signs in the hospital. I think you would see those in any hospital anyway, but still kind of cool to see considering what we've been going through, you know, for the last year and a half in uh, this country and all over the world, really. Um, with this appearance, Jamie Lee Curtis now overtakes Donald Pleasance for having the most franchise appearances in Halloween. Uh, she now, uh, with this appearance, she now has six appearances under her belt, which passes Donald Pleasance's five. So Lori oh, wow. is now literally, if, if figuratively, if not literally, one of the most important characters in this franchise. Um, I've got some stuff here that's referencing uh, the Thorn trilogy, but you know what? I hate the Thorn trilogy so much, I'm just going to skip all this. Thank no, you. don't. No, don't. <laughs> I know you guys love the Thorn trilogy. Well, not I love, hate that mess. Yeah, I love yeah, the Thorn don't include me. Um, let's see. Um, Paul Rudd was considered to be Tommy Doyle in this movie, but the filmmakers decided that since Paul Rudd is such a big star now, that he would be a distraction. Uh, so they went and got an 80s star, uh, who's probably less of a distraction in 2021, at least. Anthony Michael Hall, of course, playing Tommy Doyle in this movie. Um, let's see. There is uh, we, we talked about Laurie's final speech in the movie uh, uh, and Mike, of course, making fun of the line. The more he kills, the more he transcends. Um, let's see. Uh, if it does. 
Uh, there, some people are theorizing that this might be going towards a cult of Thorn ending anyway. Um, I can't imagine that David Gordon Green is going in that direction, but a lot of people online are kind of speculating that because of that line, the more he kills, the more he transcends, that potentially they're going back to the cult of Thorn. So fingers crossed that that's not where we're going. But like I said, uh. I know some people like the cult of Thorn stuff, and I appreciate that. I respect that. Um, just for me and most people that I talk to, that stuff didn't really work out. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen by any stretch, mind mm-hmm. you. I just, you know, I don't know. I didn't feel like it really worked in the Halloween franchise. It might have worked in another one. But like I said, it works for some people. So mm-hmm. bravo. And Maybe Sartain uh, is part of this cult. Never <laughs> there we go. There you go. I'd, look, I'd be okay with that. If they do that, I'm going to throw um, something at the damn TV screen. <laughs> I'm gonna throw popcorn at the damn screen if that shit happen. Uh, oh. The next one won't be a simultaneous home release too. Hopefully we're out of this pandemic shit. And we well, can... I don't mind it watching it at home. It saved me twenty dollars. Shit. Uh, yeah. See, I, I I'm okay spending the twenty bucks. Not that I have to. I, I you know I have all the uh, monthly uh, rewards programs for every major theater in L.A. So I don't remember the last time I paid to go see a movie. Still got to pay for my snacks and everything, and, and sometimes parking if I go to Hollywood. Yes, paying fucking parking to go see a movie. That's ridiculous. But anyway, um, yeah, just to, to kind of rebut what uh, Willis said there. Yeah, I, I will always be a theater guy, even if they like all these movies that they've done simultaneous releases for. I've gone to see him at the theater. Godzilla, Kong, Mortal Kombat, you know, blah, blah, blah. Dune is coming next week. I'll. If I see that, it's going to be in a theater because there's no way I'm going to be able to pay attention for three plus hours at home uh, with all the uh, different enjoyable things that I have in my house. So blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we'll see. I I understand that a lot of people still like watching movies from home, especially new movies that they don't have to go to the theater. I appreciate that. I just hope the theaters don't go away. I, I never, ever want that theater experience to go away. Until I can build a three-foot screen or, or like a six-foot screen in my house with like recliners and everything else, nothing will ever replace the theatrical experience. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the theater regardless. Yeah, same. I mean, there's probably going to be instances where I have to catch stuff at home. Just, oh, sure. you know, being a parent with kids, I can't always get out. But if it's up to me, my preference is watch it in the theater. And I know... There's always things at the theater that can be annoying, but I, I've had pretty good luck, probably because of when I usually see movies at. So, you go in the morning. I too? Just, yep, I. That's what I, I try go. to go like the very first showing in the morning because there's hardly. It doesn't even matter how popular or uh, uh, big the movie is. Uh-huh. If the showings I go to, there's usually not that many people. So I, and I just like the theater experience. I, I think it, it's the best way to immerse yourself and shut out the outside world completely. Plus they got that fancy soda machine with like hundreds of options. I need my fancy <laughs> soda. <laughs> I need my grape Sprite with a splash of raspberry. Mm-mm-mm. Try it. That's, yeah. I don't get God, if this is to go to the Ford, the four DX movie. I wish oh, more movies would open in 4DX. I, I think the last one I saw was uh, that last Terminator movie, that, uh, whatever the hell that was, which I actually mi- mildly enjoyed more than most people. Um, but yeah, man, we don't get enough 4DX releases out here. I saw um, this one in RPX, which is like Regal's upgraded 
like the screen is curved and like the sound is like mm-hmm. even I think I don't know if they put actual like uh triggers in the seats or it's just that the bass hits so like the low tones of the bass hit so well that it makes your seats feel like they're rumbling but I could actually tell a difference. And the, the funny story is like, so I usually just get like the standard theater ticket. And for some reason on that opening Thursday, when it just had the two showings that whoever loaded like the show times into the Regal app accidentally listed it as a 3d movie. And if you go to a 3d movie, there's like the $4 surcharge, even if you right. have unlimited. So I was just going to not go that night and uh, not the four dollars is you know it's not going to put me out of house and home for four dollars it was more just me being a stubborn principal like i'm not paying extra when it's a standard showing but then rpx is only a two dollar surcharge and that's just normal for rpx anyway so i was like well if i got to choose between a four dollar upgrade where i'm not really upgrading because it's not a 3d movie or rpx i'll just do the two dollars and Man, I, I was actually pretty impressed. Like, the seats were leather. Like, it was like a whole – I didn't realize, like, it was upgraded that much. I just thought, oh, the sound might be more crisp. But, no, it was actually a good presentation, and I was actually kind of glad for paying hmm. $2 extra for it. And the moral of that story is Mike is a cheap ass. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> if I, if I'll I, send if, you $2 next time. <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is most most of the horror movies don't go to rpx i think it's just because halloween is a yeah. big franchise so that they put it on four screens but usually yeah the stuff i see it uh standard version is the only thing that's going to be available period mm-hmm. all right what do you say we were million dollars to go to the like, fucking movies in new york city bro it's not even Jesus funny Christ. a matinee yo i look for the matinee for Halloween, and the matinee cost seventeen dollars and ten cents. Damn, that's why Do I they... got rewards programs. They are so worth yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Regal Unlimited is twenty bucks a month for anything. Um, Mine doesn't actually have, have a surcharge. Uh, for AMC, I can see three D Prime, uh, Dolby Prime, whatever. Uh, no surcharge. Yeah, there is. So with the Regal one, there's like three tiers. I do the middle tier because the middle tier, I think, means you can go to multiple Regals instead of like just your local one. I Maybe the, the upper tier, which is like, I think instead of 20, like it's like 25. Maybe that one allows for like 3D and stuff without. But I just so, see so few 3D movies and stuff. I just figure why pay the extra, but. Maybe one day I would upgrade to it. But anyways, yeah, I, I think we're at a good spot to end. We I was just spent. about to say, this concludes our discussion yeah. on theater cuts. Join us next week for Fresh Cuts, <laughs> the movies that actually play at the theaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, so before we get out of here, let's find out where everyone else can be heard and what's new. Venom, you like usual, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm not going over everything. No More Room in Hell main show. Fresh Cuts. Creature Comforts, In the Mic of Madness, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, It's Not Horror Okay. Those are my main shows. I have guest spots currently on uh, Cuts of the Chase, The Podcast Under the Stairs, The Dark Parade, The Joe Blow Horror Show, and then another one on Cuts of the Chase. So there you go. There's the short version. (laughs) All right. Uh, Don, what about you? Well, uh, keeping with the theme of uh, going 
Uh, Fresh Cuts, uh, No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, and guest appearances on Phantom Galaxy, Cut to the Chase, and uh, Indie Horror Cafe's 31 Days of Indie Horror. Cool. Uh, Willis, where can people hear you? The NFW Podcast. Uh, it's not... Sometimes I'll be on It's Not Hard are okay once in the blue moon yep. and my youtube page wild man willis reviews i'm finally up to 300 subscribers nice <laughs> good job willis wow man all right joey i know it's been a while for you um hopefully this oh, man, is i don't even know if my voice exists out there anymore <laughs> 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 on those shows don is horror mafia still up <laughs> no because um Remember, uh, Lloyd took it down because he took the site down. Yeah, so <laughs> there's a Slice and Dice YouTube channel where you could check out old episodes of that. Um, I don't know what the hell. This might be some club drug cast out on Dark Discussions. I have no fucking clue. But like the rhymes of the Wu-Tang Clan, I'm going to come back with my boy Jay Mack and atomically bomb topics with his cousin, Anthony Tony Tone. And we're going to tackle shit on our new show, Bomb Atomically Podcast. Yes, Ooh, coming out nice. real soon. Along with a website where we're going to have some written content, we're going to have some little short things, and then the main show. And, uh, you know, we're going to... You'll find us on all the major podcasting apps. We're going to go through Podbean, and um, we'll be chatting up movies, television, and other facets such as, you know, music, literature, and uh, dissecting and bombing art like Socrates' philosophies, you know? I'll go off the rails. J-Mac will bring me back down. I'll start talking about Powder Blue Houses and Michael Myers' cock. It'll be nuts. <laughs> you know? And uh, you have an ETA on your first episode, or is it still in development um, stages? Or what the webs- we're developing the website. We kind of want to make sure the website comes out with the podcast. But um, I'll give you a sneak peek to our first episode. Fuck it. Why not? We're going to take a trip back to memory lane with the classic Twilight Zone episode, The Obsolete Man. And we're pairing that up with the contemporary Black Mirror episode, Nosedive. So there's got some similarities and differences. So we're pairing those two together. We're going to go balls deep for our first episode. Nice. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Good that you're getting the game. And then of course, always both you and Willis welcome back anytime. Uh, Nice with the, it's funny because fresh cuts, normal cast is all West coast, but uh, anytime the East coasters can make it work with their different time zone and welcome back anytime guys. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Always fun. As far as myself, I think every most guest appearances I listed off last time, I think the only thing since that's new is I recorded with uh, Friday Night Nightmares, and we did a top five movies to actually watch on the holiday of Halloween. So I believe that episode is for their Patreon, so anyone listening here... Uh, check that out but otherwise yeah just normal shows for me and uh yeah i think that's it so Uh man halloween kills nice discussion on that probably our longest (laughs) episode not uh, in a while not our longest ever i don't think but no but um we had a good hearty discussion on everything halloween kills 
And uh, yeah, what's uh, is last uh, is Soho next week? It was supposed. Yeah, that's what's weird. Last night in Soho was supposed to open this coming Friday. But as I look at all my websites, uh, they're all saying October 29th now, which means we're going to have two genre releases October 29th with Last Night in Soho and Antlers. So I'm not sure what we're doing next week now. Yeah, that's weird because... I mean, we, I, we didn't... Yeah, I, I know we skipped Lamb because we weren't 100% sure that was going to be a horror film, but I know you and I have both seen it. Um, and I, yeah, I'm sure there's I, lots I, like I can, I can confirm because I just looked at my Regal app and Soho and Antlers are now both saying in 11 days. <laughs> I yeah, don't know why they did that. Why would you give us two big genre releases the, the weekend of Halloween? That's fucked up. Uh, apparently yeah. they think we have endless money. Well. <laughs> you do. <laughs> well, hey, shut up. Don't tell people. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we'll figure something out for next week, and then we'll figure out how we want to work out the uh, two-release week. Um, Maybe yeah. we'll take next we'll, week off and just do, like, a double the following week since we got two theatrical releases. I'm down to do that. Yeah, could be. Or, could yeah, be. if we if we can get a hold of, like, one of the movies early and, like, somehow record before. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out, yeah. But, uh, yeah. You got to contact That's everybody's it. favorite uncle, Uncle Moody. <laughs> oh man all right well that said we're gonna get out of here thanks everybody for listening to another episode of fresh cuts we'll catch you well maybe in a week's time or maybe two weeks time just depending on how we figure this out everyone say peace to the listeners peace to the listeners hey evil must die evil must die (laughs) evil die tonight on skype (laughs) Uh, later Adiós.